Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. In this episode, you'll hear from Med Safety Officer at Johns Hopkins, Rosemary Call. And I'm really excited about this episode because I'll get to interview a fellow classmate of mine from our days at Ole Miss School of Pharmacy. All right. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, the Medication Safety Officer at Johns Hopkins, Rosemary Call. Rosemary received her PharmD from the University of Mississippi and completed a community pharmacy residency at the University of Mississippi before completing a PGY2 in med safety at St. Jude's Research Hospital. Rosemary and I were actually in the same early entry pharmacy class at Ole Miss, so I have known her since we were both freshmen in college. Rosemary, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks for having me, Hillary. It's great to be here. Wonderful. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro and tell us a bit more about your personal life. Sure. So I actually changed my name not too long ago. I got married, so it's now Rosemary Duncan. Um, But I, like Hillary said, I... Started through the early entry program at Ole Miss, so right out of high school, went into pharmacy school, and I really actually was very interested in joining the public health service. So throughout school, I had interned um, both with the FDA in Silver Spring, Maryland, as well as with the Indian Health Service in El Reno, Oklahoma. However, uh, my path went a different way, and I ended up doing the community residency through the School of Pharmacy, and then... Um, while I was I was still interested in potentially going through the Commission Corps and working in ambulatory care primarily, that was really where my career focus was, I was introduced to a medication safety officer, actually, uh, his name is James Hoffman, he's actually now the patient safety officer at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, but I met him when presenting my research uh, during my PGY-1, and he was starting a PGY-2 in med safety there, and it seemed really interesting. I, I would say, um, in general, I have a, a strong interest in uh, systems thinking and more population health, and uh, he, it, it kind of drew me to that, that um, you could get more involved in a, in a higher level in improving care and, and in more indirectly, but also um, more globally. And so I thought that would be interesting. And I went and interviewed and I was I was lucky to um, be offered the position. And I, so I ended up going to St. Jude. I was not uh, experienced in pediatrics or oncology, but it's it was really an opportunity I couldn't turn down. Like, when would I ever get the opportunity to work in that hospital? And it was great. It was really career changing, truly. And while finishing my PGY2 in med safety, I started looking for medication safety positions, uh, all a variety of different types of positions. But one was opening up in Baltimore, Maryland at Johns Hopkins Hospital. And I thought, too, that would be a good opportunity to get more experience in a large academic medical center. So again, I went from a community hospital to a pediatric oncology or community pharmacy to pediatric oncology hospital to a large urban academic medical center. 
And I just thought there was probably experiences there that I also could never obtain anywhere else. And I interviewed for the job and was, again, lucky to receive the position. And I've been there since August of 2013. Wonderful. And Rosemary, your your path has definitely taken a few curves along the way, but it sounds like it it has all been kind of leading up to where you are now. Um, and so you are now at, at Johns Hopkins for just over four years. And so for, for some of the rest of us, what is a medication safety officer? Yeah, so it's, it's uh, interesting to think about because I would say all pharmacists care about medication safety, right? That's, that's why we become pharmacists. But um, my job primarily, and I would say many medication safety officers or coordinators or, or people or pharmacists in these positions are primarily involved in event investigation and review. So think about if either a medication error or some medication-related event occurs in your hospital or institution, you're the primary person for reviewing those events, ensuring they're truly thoroughly investigated. So think about RCAs or root cause analysis, whether they're formal or just more informal, you're still looking for those root causes. Uh, thinking about systems changes, so how could you actually prevent that from happening again? Um, so you're doing some retrospective work, so an event happens, you review it, think about ideas to change it, but also you're proactively trying to prevent um, errors and events from occurring, so there's a lot of best practice guidelines out there. You could think about ISMP or the Institute for Safe Medication Practices and all of the various tools that they have for reassessing your institutions and how you can in- improve and f- prevent errors. And then um, providing staff education, being involved in a lot of policy work, um, sometimes drug shortages, formulary management. Um, You kind of dabble in everything, so to speak. And uh, very heavily you're involved in IT. So you might think about informaticists and um, those who go on maybe to do PGY2s in informatics or their trail and life career takes them to pharmacy informatics. I work really closely with our informatics teams because a lot of what I do is trying to make our electronic health record user-friendly and give you the correct information and prevent errors from happening, which I would say is a lot of my job. (laughs) That's helpful. Thanks, Rosemary. And what are some of the biggest initiatives that you are working on right now as a medication safety officer at Johns Hopkins. So we, we are, uh, we've got a few things going on. Um, uh, interestingly, we do not have an entirely Wi-Fi enabled fleet of smart pumps. So what that means is when you need to make a update to a pump, you actually have to touch it. So think about your laptop you have to connect it to charge it you have to stick the plug in the pump to upload a new library so if you made changes in drug concentrations or added new drugs that you want to be infused via these pumps you need to go touch a majority of them so we're actually working on getting an entirely wi-fi fleet and uh, assessing how we would then use a wi-fi fleet would we add more drugs to the library how could we utilize the information we'll be able to pull from them because you can get a lot of data out of them so really starting to think thoroughly about how we'll use the smart pumps um constantly working on insulin pen related issues so uh from background we do when insulin pens are used you should not use a pen on multiple patients single pen single patient uh 
in hospitals, you really want to work through like how you dispense them, make sure that the barcodes are patient specific, order specific, things of that nature to prevent any of those kind of mistakes. But we also want to make sure that the distribution is streamlined and staff uh, know when to dispense a pen, when not to dispense a pen. And then just reviewing barcode compliance reports and ensuring that we're scanning when we dispense them, but also nurses are scanning when they administer them. So I work pretty... Uh, on a lot of various initiatives with both pharmacy and nursing departments um, on insulin pen use. And uh, we, I've recently, as of last year, became the director of our PGY2 medication use safety program. Um, so I guess public service announcement, if anybody wants to get a PGY2, I have a spot this year. Um, however, uh, just working with our residents, training, providing education, and uh preparing for USP 800. So actually today our resident gave her continuing education presentation to the pharmacy department on preparation for USP 800. So that means the new sterile and non-sterile compounding, but also all handling as it relates to hazardous drugs and how we have to maybe change some of our practices. Um, Additionally, education that needs to go out. So I've been working a lot on that in the last year and a half. So one of the bigger initiatives got going on. Right. Well, it sounds like you're, you're staying busy and that's exciting. Hopefully, uh, this episode will be going out just around time of ASHP. So I'm sure lots of students will be interested in that. Uh, so Rosemary, it sounds like you have to do a lot of, um, interdisciplinary, uh, work, a lot of team building. What are some of the other skills, uh, that you have that really lend themselves well to your position? I think that I, I mean, I'd like to think that I'm very personable. Um, so I think that that does help with the ability to maintain, obtain relationships with all different types of practitioners and different positions, whether you're a frontline staff member or you're, say, the president of the hospital. Like having those kind of relationships is valuable because we need to make changes and we need to persuade people to make those changes. But also recognizing when you're doing event investigation or review, it can be, you know, you feel uncomfortable. Like staff can feel uncomfortable if you're talking to them about something that maybe they were involved in or contributed to. And being able to kind of break down those shields and barriers. And so I think that that helps. I I like to think of myself as a friendly person, easy to come to. But um, I do think that is a a trait that has helped me succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Rosemary, uh, you've had a lot of successes throughout your career. Um, You've had some really uh, exciting uh, positions and, and opportunities that have come your way that We've mentioned um, being kind of a pioneer resident um, for a PGY-1 and as a PGY-2, having opportunities within the public health service, uh, and now you are at a really uh, prestigious hospital up in Baltimore and are leading the, the residency program there. So with all these successes within your career, what are some of the takeaways from that? Um, and, and is there any one that you may be most proud of? Um, I, I think that it's, it's just more or less a matter of seizing opportunities and not turning them down. Um, even if I was fearful or concerned, maybe I wasn't the most potentially competent person for said job, but thought I could, I could learn, I could figure it out and, um, being able to 
feel challenged. I think that's a big thing that's driven me to all the various positions and opportunities. Um, I don't ever want to be bored. So I think that helps as well. <laughs> but um, in terms of, you know, my my most su- successful thing, um, I am I am very proud to be the residency director. I thought that was very exciting. Um, uh, it really happened. Truly, I mean, my, my former boss retired. And so it was kind of a matter of handing off, but I think that has been a really great opportunity. It's helped me learn a lot in terms of, you know, conflict management and understanding how to really manage people, but also you want to mentor them and help them grow. And uh, it's that's been a really great opportunity that I, I probably didn't know was going to be quite as challenging as it is, but is also so rewarding. Um, so I really enjoyed that uh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And on the flip side of that, do you have any lessons learned that you might want to be able to share? Well, I I think it is good to note that I didn't actually match for any of the residencies I did. Um, uh, The first time around, I actually was looking more at fellowships. I was uh, very interested in administrative roles and looking at like drug information, regulatory so when I was applying for residencies, I focused on things that were more public health oriented. I There were not as many residencies that maybe were very grant-based, put you out kind of in the field, maybe you were in federally qualified health centers, et cetera. So I, I was really focused on very few programs, which lend itself to not matching with a program, but I was lucky enough to actually, at that point, it was called the scramble. Now we have a, you know, match two, but um, I didn't match, and as you know, I guess you could say terrifying as that would be at that moment in time, it was an opportunity. Like it was absolutely the greatest thing that happened because it gave this, these roads and paths opened up for me after that. Um, and I, I think that is something that I, I think a lot of students really fear that you will not match. And especially now we have two matches, like what do you do? But there, there are opportunities out there and you just, again, you have to seize them. Because you never know what could happen. Just you could succeed in them. There you go. You could be a medication safety officer at Johns Hopkins. Um, so, Rosemary, how do you stay current about what's going on in healthcare and more specifically within the pharmacy field? Well, I'm sure, like many people, I receive my daily listservs and blogs, and um, you get a lot of information that way through the different organizations. Um, I do try to stay uh, aware of current events, especially as it relates to, say, the Affordable Care Act and even within state, the state, as I work in Maryland, but within state regulations and changes within our own laws and practice. Um, In terms of like more clinical based work and my field specifically is more like quality safety regulatory, um, you subscribe to various journal articles or journals and uh, receive various, uh, you know, emails when you know, these are new published papers and this is a new hot topic and things like that. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of overwhelming to try to keep up with everything, but um, I too subscribe to various uh, pharmacy information. Uh, The associations provide excellent uh, daily briefings from APHA and and other groups. So um, that's definitely a, a good tip. Uh, Rosemary, what are some of the things that excite you about the future of pharmacy? 
Well, I do I do think that we are really making a lot of headway in terms of prescribing privileges, which you can see that across the country in various organizations and really having more formalized structures for privileging and credentialing of pharmacists within various institutions. So it's not only protocolized, but it also follows more the same structure that, say, an authorized prescriber, like a physician or a nurse practitioner would follow. So I, could, I see that happening more and more. Um, and being the accepted route for that. So that that's always exciting to have more pharmacists prescribing. Um, you can see that in different changes in law too. Like for example, pharmacists can now prescribe birth control um, in some states, including Maryland. So I, I always think that's exciting because we are the drug experts. I think that's great for our profession and pa- the ho- patients as a whole. Um, of course, we're, you know, in the, the opioid emidep- epidemic, but I do think there's a strong role for pharmacists there and opioid stewardship, both inpatient and outpatient. So I think that there'll be a lot of opportunities to come for pharmacy. Absolutely. Uh, those are two very important areas, and a lot of pharmacy has kind of banded together, and we have a really a unified voice uh, behind prescriberness for the profession. So, Rosemary, as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? I think I would tell myself to not to not be disappointed in what you think you're supposed to be doing. Like, you set yourself up for a career path, you know, before you're even out of school. Like, you've decided, this is how my life is going to be. And then if, you know, something happens, you feel like, oh, I've, what have I done? I've ruined everything. But you really haven't. Like, you shouldn't set yourself up to be disappointed because there's so many different paths for you. And I would really, and I try to tell that to my own students on rotation that we have, that they have um, a lot of opportunities and pathways and, you know, one way might not be best for everybody. And so to, to just stay positive and be assertive, and look for opportunities. That is excellent advice. Your expectations, yes. It's it's funny that we all kind of have this um, preconceived path that we think we're going to take. And you've got to be able to take and seize opportunities, and you never know where you might wind up. So thanks so much, Rosemary. It was great to catch up with you, and thanks so much for being a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode with Rosemary. And I hope you'll check out our website, www.pharmacyadvisory.com. And that way you can sign up to stay on top of the latest podcasts as soon as they come out. And you can connect with me, ask questions, maybe pitch a future guest or topic idea. Love to hear from you and hear your feedback to let us know what topics interest you. Thanks again.